So it is good to be here, believe me. It's uh, just lovely to be back in uh, with real... You ever tried talking into an empty room for a long while? Yeah, most of you. Okay, it's not great. Okay, so it's, uh, it's really perfect to be good. And back with you. So Canaanites and breadcrumbs. Uh, we're back in Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. Now you've been looking at Matthew's Gospel for a while now. Has that been a long period of time? Uh, and we're in chapter 15, okay, today. And uh, however, that's the title, Canaanites and breadcrumbs. But it could just have simply have been something like, did Jesus really say that? Or, that's all a bit awkward and troublesome. Or, well, I've never seen that bit before. Is that right? Okay, so thanks, Ben, for a lovely subject. It's been a real joy. Uh, Because today we're looking at one of the most, I think, probably one of the most challenging passages in the Bible, quite possibly. All right? Uh, One that might, well, shake our mind's eye of who we think Jesus is. Because quite bluntly in this passage, Jesus' actions and his words are maybe not what we've come to naturally understand uh, of the Jesus we know, or at least we think we know. Okay, at first glance, these verses will seem, I'm sure, unsettling, contradictory, uh, maybe odd. Or maybe just a bit offensive. Okay, it's it's a bit like that. So, um, you know, if you don't know this passage well, then you know, pay attention to the reading, and you'll see it quite clearly at the time. But to set the scene, I want to uh, take us to uh, the Olympics just a few weeks back to the Tokyo Olympics, not to the pool or the uh, the velodrome or the track, but to the Asaka Shooting Range. Uh, and the men's 50-metre rifle competition. And uh, the guy there at the back, that's um, the Ukrainian shooter, Sherily Kulish. He was the gold medalist in Rio in 2016, and uh, he was expected to take the gold as well in Tokyo a few weeks ago. And uh, the competition was was running ahead, okay, uh, and it came to his final shot. Now, a bullseye would take him well on the course to gold. Just hitting the target alone would ensure that he goes into the final, okay? So, not much of an ask, really, in some respects. But even so, the arena quietens, all eyes are on Coolish. He lowers his rifle and prepares to shoot, controls his breathing, he lowers his heart rate. And the sharp-shooting Ukrainian squeezes the trigger and hits the bullseye. He raises his arms in triumph, but then turns round to look at the scoreboard to see that he has scored zero points, falling to eighth place and way out of the medals, not even qualifying for the final. Puzzled, incredulous expressions follow, but then the gut-wrenching truth occurs on him. The bullseye he hit was on the adjacent target belonging to his opponent and not his. He'd scored a bullseye, but in the wrong target. I'm not happy, he said. (laughs) Who shoots into someone else's target? Only someone like me. The world number two at the time said a a wardrobe malfunction was behind his lapse in concentration. The button on my jacket came undone. I felt some discomfort, but time passed, and I had to make that shot. I didn't notice that I was already aiming for somebody else's target, he said. Now, this morning's passage may cause us some discomfort, but it's important that we don't miss the target. Okay, so we're going to get stuck in. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 15, or I shall read to you, verses 21 to 28. 
I'm just going to take that off and read from the screen. There we go. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering. I will go back to the text. Hang on there. Better. (laughs) Suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came back and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So we're going to approach this passage by drawing on three particular truths. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus has come for all. And Jesus is grace for all. And spoiler alert, we're going to spend a long time on the first point. Well, not a long time, you'll be, you'll be away for tea, but you know, a longer time on the first point as we try and work out just what that conversation was all about. You know, why Jesus ignored this woman and then said something rather rude to her, and the disciples played their part as well. So we're going to try and get into that. And I say attempt to get into that because there are differing views on this, okay? Your view might be different to mine, that's fair enough, but as the world top theologians can't agree you know or that can agree to disagree I'm sure that we can too all right so uh, so that's where we're going uh, this morning so let's uh, click on Jesus is Lord of all so in Matthew chapter 15 we find Jesus leaving Jewish territory and crossing the border into Tyre and Sidon this is Gentile country Okay, and the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus crying and in great distress, begging for her daughter to be released from the demons that have possessed her. And Jesus immediately sees her distress and heals her daughter straight away. Well, that's what we might expect, okay, but that's not what happens. Jesus' first response is to do absolutely nothing, he ignores the woman completely. Not a word spoken, not a hand offered, not a comfort extended, nothing. She keeps crying out and the disciples, those guardians of discretion and empathy, urge Jesus to get rid of her. She's clearly a pest, okay, creating a scene, maybe disturbing Jesus on his day off, you know. The script we now expect would would see Jesus rebuking the disciples, showing compassion to the woman and healing her daughter. But as she kneels before him, Jesus appears to add insult to injury. When he says to her, can't see that very well, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Lord, help me, she said. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, he replied. What does that mean? Well, what is it saying? Uh, I'm not here for you and your type. You don't even deserve the breadcrumbs, you Gentile dog. Interesting, isn't it? 
Let's be honest, to our eyes and ears, that whole scene is shocking, offensive and difficult in the very least. So we're going to look at some possible explanations, okay, and try and stick with me for the next few minutes if you can, okay, um, as we go down this theological rabbit hole, okay, we'll get into some happier stuff and some practical applications soon, but we want to try and unpack this because we can't get there until we've sort of looked at this bit first. So we're going to look at, look at three or four theories as to what this is all about. So try and stick with it. We'll, we'll be there soon, okay. So theory one. Theory 1 says Jesus is learning. As fully God but also fully man, there is capacity for Jesus to learn. As this event unfolds and the faith of the Canaanite woman becomes evident, Jesus changes his mind and sees a better way forward. Now, I did read and listen to sermons and commentaries suggesting that was what this was all about. But um, I'm not happy with that at all. Okay, I can discount that pretty quickly, and I hope you can too. For me, that would mean Jesus moving on from being a racialist. Okay, and that is clearly not who Jesus is. That's a simple position, and Jesus knew no sin. So I think we can chuck that one out straight away. But believe me, I heard that preach. That is out there. People preach that with all honesty and certainty. Okay, but that's not where I'm going with this. Number two, theory two, Jesus' mission was only to the Jews. Israel, the Jewish nation, was the only reason that Jesus came. In the preceding verses, the Jews have rejected him. So now Jesus widens his mission field to also include the Gentiles. There's some possible truth here. You know, if you look particularly at verse 24, I was sent, he said, only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the Canaanite woman doesn't, you know, rebuff or discount his words. And this theory works if you just use the words of Jesus in that time and that place and that context right there, right then. Okay, before the cross, before that once and for all sacrifice for Jesus made for all of us, for God so loved the world. But again, for me, that is quite limiting. Okay, that limits the view uh, and, and it points to God changing his plan. So again, I'm not sure that's the right way forward. And Jesus has already interacted and healed Gentiles in Matthew's Gospel. Go back to chapter 8. He heals the centurion's servant. Uh, and in chapter 12, verse 18, quoting Isaiah, describing himself, he calls himself as bringing salvation to the nations. Okay, so there's some idea that that's not quite right either. Theory three. Okay, it's a test or a joke. Okay. Uh, Jesus says these words just to see how she responds. He puts blocks in the way of her faith to see how strong her faith is and to see how she replies and reacts. Possibly uh, there's a, it might be a really serious thing he's doing, or maybe there's a glint in his eye and the, the corner of his mouth is, is turned up into a smile. Okay. I think we're possibly getting a bit closer here, but we're making a lot of assumptions that are still not in the text. Okay, so, you know, having looked at those three and read a lot of stuff about this and tried to work it out and had sleepless 10 minutes at least, you know, I, I've come to a different viewpoint, but it's similar to the last one, all right? And I'm thankful, you always to quote your sources, I'm thankful to, uh, to William Taylor, who's the, uh, the rector at St. Helens in Bishopsgate in the City of London. It's a church I used to attend uh, for his take on this, which I found um, particularly helpful. So... 
Still here? Good. Deep breath. Here we go. This, this, and I'm not saying I'm right, but we know. Let's have a look. Okay. Okay. First, let's get the context right. Okay. Where it comes from. Verse 17. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So for me, you know, that is not done on a whim. That's a deliberate act. Jesus could have gone anywhere for a rest. And why go somewhere alien, if you like, for a rest? He's gone there deliberately. He's withdrawn deliberately. He's just had a clash with the Pharisees and the tensions are running high. It's time for a cooling off period and maybe a time to rest also just to get out of the spotlight and allow things to calm down to ensure that God's timing for Jesus's life and death is fulfilled. So it's an intentional act, first of all. Jesus means to meet this woman. He means to go into that particular area. You know, and Jesus has done this before, but this time he deliberately goes to Gentile country. With that intention in mind, and I think these words are Jesus almost parroting ironically. That's the phrase that, that Taylor used. Parroting ironically the prejudice shown by his disciples and the Pharisees to those outside of the Jewish race. And this is important. In doing that, he draws out the woman's faith whilst at the same time exposing that prejudice and instructing the disciples into who he actually is and what his mission is. Okay, so that's my take on that. You know, now you may disagree with that. Uh, That's absolutely fine. You may have a theory totally different to all of those. I'd love to hear it if you did. Okay, but that's fair enough. Uh, As I said, we, we can agree. We can agree to disagree. And I accept as well that what I said, you know, does uh, fit nicely in with our culture today, maybe our perceived ideas of Jesus as well. But ultimately, you know, let's see that Jesus does not turn this woman away. He does heal her daughter. Let's see that even the most sworn enemy of Israel, the Canaanites who inhabited the promised land and opposed God's people in battle, were still objects of his grace and his love and his healing power. And let's see that Jesus is Lord of all. Okay, so that's the deep stuff dealt with. Okay, come back in now. If you've zoned out over the last 10 minutes and you've been thinking about your lunch or or pondering as I do on a regular basis, how is it that the world's best football team are bottom of the Premier League? How does that happen? You know, come back to us now and, and we can start. You know, because one thing, whatever this conversation means, one thing is true. Jesus is Lord of all. Okay, Jesus is Lord of all. And the words... And actions of this Canaanite woman display that. She recognised who Jesus was. When she cried out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we don't know how she had this knowledge. Maybe word of mouth about Jesus had spread across the border. But even after Jesus' words of apparent rejection, she calls him Lord and she kneels before him. This woman knows that Jesus is Lord of all. She recognises his kingship and his power, and she kneels. She's not the first Gentile, of course, to acknowledge him as Lord. Think of the wise men, the magi, travellers from the east. Jesus was probably only months old when they bowed and knelt to his kingship, his power, and acknowledged him as Lord. So, what about us? What about us? Do we know Jesus as Lord of all? 
Do we recognise his kingship? Do we experience his power? Do we kneel before him as Lord of our lives? Do we kneel when our prayers seem to go unanswered? Do we kneel when God is silent to us? Do we kneel when life doesn't turn out how we'd planned or envisaged? And do we kneel when difficulty or illness or rejection strikes? Do we kneel when we are faced with hostile environments and everything is against us? Do we kneel and call him Lord then? This Canaanite woman is the only person in the Bible to whom Jesus says, great is your faith in this particular way. And one day Jesus is going to meet with you and me, just as he did with her. And wouldn't it be amazing if we joined her in hearing those words from Jesus, great is your faith. So, moving on, okay. Second point, Jesus has come for all. Jesus has come for all. I wonder if you're aware of this place, if I move out of the way, thank you. Chatham Island, okay. Chatham Island. Anyone heard of Chatham Island? You should have done. You should have done. It's a very important place and very important for this church. Okay, very important indeed. Uh, they're in the Pacific Ocean, about two hours flying time, uh, from about 520 miles east of Christchurch in New Zealand. The population is around 630 people, mostly involved in fishing, farming and a bit of tourism, apart from one person who serves as the island's policeman, customs officer, immigration officer and government official. Okay, They have limited broadband but no mobile coverage at all. So why are they important to this church? Well, they are just about the furthest inhabited place away from us this morning. Okay, Just about the furthest. And I'm sure that if this sermon's being preached in Chatham Island, they are talking about us right now as well. Okay, It's good to know, isn't it? So there we are. Okay, They're about the furthest away. I mean, to be honest, the exact place is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. There's not many people live there. Plenty of catfish with all their taste buds, but not many other people. Okay, So when we say Jesus is Lord of all and Jesus has come for all, that includes everyone even those 630 souls on the Chatham Islands and everybody in between. That's extraordinary, isn't it? What a thought that is. We've established that Jesus is Lord of all, but now let's see that he comes for all. If we turn again to uh, look at this Canaanite woman, you know, her timing is not the best. Jesus is withdrawing to escape just this sort of scene get some breathing space. Her actions are not the best. The words crying out here closer resemble screaming. Okay, And the verb is uh, present continuous in the Greek, apparently, which means continually screaming. Okay, Quite uh, as a better description. Now the disciples are not on her side. Send her away. She's a nuisance. Her nationality is against her. A Canaanite, as we've found out, the most bitterest enemy of God's People to, Jew, to the Jews, they're just dogs, not even fit to receive scraps of bread from the plate of a child. But look again at Jesus. Okay, he sees her, he hears her, he accepts her. She is not sent away. She receives his grace. Her daughter is healed, just as Jesus always intended. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus has come for all. 
But I wonder, a challenge for us this morning, do we get in the way of that mission of Jesus or are we a part of that mission of Jesus? Are we more like the disciples, send them away, they're a nuisance, or more like Jesus, bring them in for healing? How many people have we not shown the love of God because the timing and the circumstances were not quite right? How many people's cries have we ignored from around the world? How many times have we gone with the crowd and listened to our own selfish voice rather than being people of compassion, seeking to love the lost? How many times have we looked at people and discounted them from God's love because of their race or their sexual identity, their appearance, their standing in society or because they're just a bit different to us? Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus has come for all. And all we can do is pray that God will allow us, will help us, will empower us to see others in the world, others made in his image through those compassionate eyes of Jesus. And that's everyone from here to the Chatham Islands and back again. Finally, Jesus is grace for all. Jesus is grace for all. Have you ever wondered why is somebody there? What is their purpose? What is their role? If you're thinking about that for me at the moment, that's okay. I don't mind. You know, why are they doing? Why are they here? What are they even doing there? You know, I thought that when watching the Paralympics this week. And I don't know if you've been watching it, but the, the whole game, you know, every event, it seems, every competitor is just so awe-inspiring. You know, I moved to tears by nearly all of it. It's just fantastic. However, I noticed something rather strange in the swimming pool at one of the events. As the swimmers were introduced for the 50-metre final, which is one length of the pool, officials were standing at the finishing line at the end of the pool with long sticks about three or four metres high with a tennis ball type thing on the end. And I thought, who are they? Why are they there? What is the purpose of those people? Yeah, they are. Okay. Well, it became quite clear very soon, okay, because these swimmers are all blind or visually impaired and wearing blackout goggles. And they've got to swim one length of the pool, sprinting as fast as they can, okay, and when they reach the end of the line, the finish line, these guys who are in their team tap them on the shoulder or the head so they know they've only got one stroke to do before they clatter into the wall. Or if they're doing longer than one length, that's when they know they could do a tick kick turn and go off on the next length. Because they can't see where they're going, of course. They're blind. And they whack them on the shoulder with the ball. I thought it was extraordinary. You know, who works these things out? It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? There we go. You know, when we think about Jesus, you know, why is he here? What has he come for? What is his purpose? Well, the New Testament is full of reasons why Jesus, who is Lord of all, came for all. Just a couple of verses. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says this, For the Son of Man, that's him, came to seek and to save the lost. And again, speaking in John 10, 10, he says, I am come that they, as us, might have life and have it to the full. Life in all its fullness. So why did Jesus come? What was his purpose? To find us, the lost, and to save us through his grace. To give us life and the best life possible through his grace. And in Tyre and Sidon that day, 
that screaming distressed woman in the wrong place at the wrong time, from the wrong part of the world, without a friend in sight, met Jesus, who is Lord of all, who came for all, face to face. She recognised who she was and she saw who he was. And she knew his purpose for being there. She knew why Jesus was with her. And she found his grace in abundance. Grace from the Lord found her, saved her, gave her life in all its fullness. And I wonder this morning, maybe you are feeling a little bit like that woman. Like her, maybe you're screaming inside. Maybe you're feeling experiencing isolation or loneliness. Maybe you're feeling like an outsider, not a friendly face to turn to. Are you desperately praying for a breakthrough with problems over health or relationships or some other issue in your life? Are you crying out for healing? When we say Jesus is Lord of all and Jesus has come for all and Jesus is grace for all, well, that all includes you. Jesus is Lord of all. That includes you. Jesus has come for all. That means you as well. Jesus has grace for all. You again. So as we take communion, as we share in the bread and the wine, why don't you just come as you are? Bring your heartfelt pleas and your cries, your screams inside to Jesus. As we think about his love for us, his mercy and his grace, his death on the cross, come to him again. But come as you are. No airs and graces, just come as you are. Surrender your heart to him. Bring your burdens to the foot of the cross and let his grace overwhelm you. Just as this Canaanite woman did, you can do the same. And he will not, as he didn't to her, ultimately turn you away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. And Lord, I just pray for forgiveness for me if I've uh, misled people or taken people down the wrong track this morning. Lord, we just pray that your truth would speak into each of our hearts as we look at these words and we consider them. And Father, thank you, Lord, for that wonderful uh, phrases we look at this morning, that Jesus is Lord of all. We look across our world and see so many differing societies and cultures and our news is full of upheaval. Yet, Lord, you have that in your hand. You are Lord of all. Lord, you have come for all. We pray this morning for the, the good people of the Chatham Islands and all those in between. Thank you that you've come from all. And, Lord, thank you that you are grace for all. Help us, Lord, to, to take your grace, accept your grace, and to know your grace with us this morning. In your name, Lord. Amen.